0: Right, praise the Lord. Good morning. If you would turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter four, and it's good to have a uh, Tanner here this morning. Wave your arm right there, everybody. Say hello to Tanner this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Good old friend of mine, old man now. You know it. Yeah, I'm an old man, but you're catching up with me. <laughs> good to have you this morning. This is an interesting message, okay? I'm just going to tell you that right off the bat. And uh, it'll take a little explaining this morning, but let me read in Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to listen very carefully. Everybody say rest. How many like rest? Praise the Lord. Sometimes we think about rest, we think about the weekend, we think about finally getting to go to bed that night because we're tired. And uh, this is all about rest in Hebrews chapter 4. But a special kind of rest that only God gives. It says, therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, you hear what he's talking about here? Entering His rest. This is something unique that's just with God. Let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. So God's rest that we're able to still enter today, make sure that we as believers don't fail to enter it. Okay, so we need to be careful because we can fail in our Christian walk to enter His rest, and it's a, it's a dangerous thing not to get rest, Okay. For good news came to us as it came to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So this is talking about something really different than sleeping. It's talking about something real different than Sabbath, right? Rest. It's talking about some type of rest that obedient people enter in and other people don't. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in his passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. So he's comparing it with the seventh day rest from creation, and he's saying that that group of people will not enter my rest, and he wants them to enter, and it's still being presented to us, and either we receive it or we fail to receive it, okay? Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom they must give account. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And the Holy Spirit, you are speaking directly today, Lord. And we just pray that every heart would hear and be open and uh, be obedient, Lord, because it's for our benefit, Lord. We ask these things in your name I pray. Amen. The reason I say this is very interesting is because normally normally there's a power of the Holy Spirit that's working in my life that I live in that rest, that resting in Him and not in myself. And, and pressures of the world many times don't affect me because of the Spirit of God and that rest. So a lot of times I'm calm, almost always calm. Very rarely do I ever lose my temper anymore like I did when I was younger. Well, don't praise God yet. Because it's been an interesting few days. Yeah, just be careful. A lot of times when you're a pastor and you're to deliver the message, God does it to you so you can teach it. And it's one of the things I kind of hate, you know, about being a minister, you know. And so God was way ahead of me. And... uh, you know, I, I I changed some things in my schedule, and, you know, sometimes when you change your schedule, you change your patterns and your behaviors. And so things you hope are going to get easier, sometimes it gets harder. But you know you're being obedient to the Lord, you know you're doing what God called you to do, and... Um, so I could just tell something was different about my schedule. And so I thought to myself, you know, I really didn't put much thought into it, really, I guess. But I know every time I walk around the prayer room, I I get excited and something you know I missed. But the Lord just lets you go along. And so normally, the rest that I have just started dissipating. And I found it in there. You know, that's where I normally am at. and normally spend lots of hours in there. So the Lord just wants to make an example sometimes. And so uh, one thing, you know, let let me explain something. Before I go back into the story, there's a thing called there's a thing called sleep deprivation. Have you ever heard of that term? Like you know, you're deprived of sleep, and so funny things happen to your body. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not one of those that misses sleep. I sleep like a fat baby. You know, I just when I hit the pillow at night, it's a few seconds. I'm asleep, and however long is available. I'm sleeping, and if I have to get up and do something, go to the bathroom or whatever, I hit the pillow, I'm immediately back asleep, right? And so sleep deprivation doesn't normally bother me, but there's a spiritual deprivation of rest that we've got to be careful about and the Lord's warning me about today. And so sleep, if you don't get it, we have to understand the natural to understand the spiritual. And so sleep, if you don't get it, it begins to affect every part of your body. In fact, I I didn't have a message at 9, let me explain this, I, don't, I didn't have a message at 9 a.m. when I was supposed to leave, no message, not even a clue on what God wanted me to speak about, not even a note written down, not even a scripture that I had an interest in. And that contributed to my, you know, my truck broke down on Friday, I've, frustrating. It was a part that, simple repair, but a proprietary part I couldn't find to get the piece off. And so that was frustrating. And then as soon as mine gets fixed, the very moment my wife's car broke down. And then I loaded my woodshed full of wood, which is a unburnable wood. For some reason it will not burn, which I'll take care of today. And so there's no heat in my house. And so I stood out in the rain last night and so normally these things are normal things they're not things that normally upset me or you know I normally don't get stressed over anything and I didn't get stressed over those things didn't get irritated over those things I had uh, John and Eddie even were helping me yesterday they they knew about the situation so they they those things don't stress me out don't upset me but then when I go to study for the word and God won't talk to me, that frustrates me. Because when you know you're being faithful and things go wrong, then you're okay. Because you know God's got his hand on you. But when God does it, you know, it's like he won't speak to you, won't talk to you. And you know, you just say to yourself, you say, you know what? You should be telling me what to speak about today. And there's no message, no message, no message. You get up to 9 o'clock, still no message. So finally, I just went to another building, and I said, you know what? If you're not going to talk to me, you're not going to give me a message. And he's like, you know what? There's your message, and I'll explain it to you in the way church. I've got a 45-minute drive, and God said, I'll explain it on the way to church. And I was like, well, good, I got my message. But the Lord's kind of like, you know, you ever seen where God says in the Bible, you have little faith? And He's just like, you know what? Go away with your attitude. You have little faith. And so the Lord gave me Hebrews 4. And... So he put on my mind sleep deprivation, and I'm like, Lord, you know what? I sleep fine. Now, what's really weird is I didn't sleep last night. Every hour God woke me up. You know, I was gonna rest, expected to have the word finished, and you know, just went to bed, go on rest. I've learned over the years, rest. God will give me the word, He'll be faithful. But then He wakes me up every hour. Literally every hour deprives me of sleep. And then by the time the morning comes, I unravel so quickly. And I'm like, well, God, you know, and I'm mad. I'm irritated. I'm, you know, storming through the house mad. And and I'm kind of like not mad at my family, which, you know, I want them to know I'm not mad at them. But it's like, what am I supposed to do? That was what was on my heart. What am I supposed to do? I've done everything I can. Give me a word. And so on the way to church... God wanted me to talk about this rest thing because if you don't rest in the natural, how many of you know that it affects your body in a million different ways? In fact, I pulled up a uh, on the when I got in the parking lot. I pulled this up, just a WebMD Web sleep deprivation. It says. Sleep deprivation was a factor in some of the biggest disasters in recent history. The 1979 nuclear accident at Three Mile Island, the Exxon Valdez oil spill, and the 1986 nuclear meltdown at Chernobyl. You think getting sleep is important? (laughs) Three major accidents. So number one, sleep deprivation caused causes you to have accidents you wouldn't normally have in fact they attribute 100,000 auto crashes and 1550 crash related deaths a year in the US to sleep deprivation mostly with people under 25 years of age which means that when you get wisdom you learn that sleep is important okay so it causes accidents and i started just just start applying spiritual things to this if I'm deprived of this rest that God's offering me, and I don't accept it, how much of our life is just imploding because of it? it goes on. It says sleep loss dumbs you down. Let me think. That's true. Like, man, I don't retain anything when I'm tired. And sleep deprivation dumbs you down. It it, it takes intelligence away from you. Sleep deprivation leads to serious health problems, heart disease heart attack, heart failure, regular heartbeat, high blood pressure, stroke, and diabetes. It causes depression and anxiety. How many believe that? It ages your skin, makes you forgetful, causes you to gain weight, and leads to an increased risk in death. And so what's really fascinating is sometimes we intentionally allow ourselves to be sleep deprived. We say to ourselves with our intelligence that, hey, I'm going to be just fine without some sleep. And I can handle it myself. And it's not that big of a deal. And, um, how many know that, uh, one of the banned forms of torture in the military one of the five main banned forms of torture is sleep deprivation. In fact, they've used it throughout history. You're actually willingly submitting yourself to banned torture <laughs> by sleep deprivation. The, the PLW camps in Japan, 128 PLW camps and 130,000 uh, soldiers, I believe, were there. One of the things they would do was sleep deprivation. Um, during the witch hunts of Scotland in 1600s, they would deprive them of sleep until they, they uh, admitted they were witches. And by the time they were done with the sleep deprivation, they were admitting themselves to be witches, which a lot of them weren't, and they were hallucinating. Same thing with the PLW camps. They were hallucinating after a couple of days of, of sleep deprivation. And so you're willingly kind of opening yourself up to military-style Torture with sleep deprivation, so I started thinking about those things. I thought, man, you know what? What is this rest? Because obviously, it's deeper than just physical sleep. That's not what what God's getting at here. What God's getting at here is that I am not entering into the rest like I used to enter in. And you say, well, what's that mean? That means that I had gotten used to being in the presence of the Lord every day for hours. Hours I would just spend in there worshiping and, and, and being in the presence of God. And, and when you're in the presence of God, there's faith. You know, I love teaching people the Word and I love teaching Bible studies. And I love teaching about the way to God and, and having a relationship with God. But there's nothing like being in his rest. There's nothing like being in his presence. There's nothing like having him speak to your heart and tell you it's okay. And what happens is if you never enter into the rest, in fact, the whole example of his rest was at creation. He did all this activity and then when he was done, he was done and he rested. And then he provided a Sabbath rest for Israel, but that wasn't our rest. Our rest is in Hebrews where he's talking about each part of what Israel did is better than what it was in the Old Testament. And he's saying in Christ you have something better. He wasn't saying that we're supposed to celebrate Sabbath like Israel did. He said the Sabbath is more meaningful to you because Christ made it better. And so rest for us is explained in Hebrews, Christ fulfilled the Sabbath and we now need to just enter into it in our life. And so what was happening with me was I made a transition in my life with my schedule and I wasn't in there anymore. And so every time I was in there when anything would happen in life, things happened during the period of time. I was in God's presence, and they didn't bother me. Much more serious things, much more difficult things, but never was there a breaking apart of me. You understand? Sleep deprivation is what causes those witnesses, what causes those who are being interrogated, to crack. Because when you deprive the sleep, they begin to lose their intellectual faculties, They begin losing their memory. They begin hallucinating. How many think that we do that in life? And so one little thing happens and we just forget to even trust God. You know, we start falling apart. And the Lord this morning on the way to church just was almost like a dad riding with his son and saying, let me explain it to you on the way to church. You cracked really easy with minor things. Two months ago, you would have never done that because you were in my rest. You are in my presence, and it would have never happened. But because of the fact that I was not entering into His rest, I failed to enter into His rest. And maybe God has this message. I didn't, I didn't even realize until I walked in that tonight is a worship night. And I've got to be really careful because if I'm not entering into that prayer room or, or at home getting alone or not being in God's presence and filtering my whole life through God, I've got to be really careful because a lot of times I can't enter in a service. Because when you're a pastor, you're thinking about a lot of other things and you're trying to make sure everything's going the right way. And so sometimes my whole mind is on ministering the message or my mind is on what's going on in the room or who needs prayer or you know things like that. So if I don't have something in addition to the worship service, sometimes I just am going to neglect His presence. And so the example that He gives in Hebrews about entering into His rest is the children of Israel. He says, don't be like them who received the gospel, but many of them just failed to enter in to His rest. They never entered in, and He, and he swore to Himself in His wrath that I'll never let them enter in because they would not refuse to enter into my rest. And so I want you to begin to think about, number one, I want you to think about the rest that's being offered. Because this rest that he offers is a place that we can go to. And I'm just going to be honest, you need to have a, I mean, sometimes you're going to feel like you're bombarded by the world. In fact, you say, well, do the people of God have that happen? You know, Jacob, uh, his sons came to him and said that his son had died. Now, we know the story. The story is that uh, Joseph ends up going to Egypt. God had it planned all along. And um, Jacob's quote, though, was, Genesis forty two thirty six, he says, All things are against me. How many have ever felt that way? All things are against me when he found out that Joseph had died. When Joseph really was alive and God had a plan, and maybe the biggest, most awesome thing maybe God had planned for Jacob's life was Joseph going to Egypt and becoming great in power. He came and joined his son. God was doing an amazing thing, but all you hear from the man of faith is, all things are against me. How many think when uh, Abraham moved into the promised land, according to God's promise, and the first thing he found was a famine, and he found there was no water, there was no food, don't you think that he said, all things are against me? You know, when Moses found out that God uh, had called him, And in Moses' own strength, what did he do? He killed an Egyptian to protect the Israelites, and and, and he ended up being a fugitive banished into the wilderness for 40 years. God would bring him out of the wilderness to deliver his people, but how many think that Moses might have said, all things are against me, like Jacob said. When Joseph got the vision from God that, hey, my family... They're going to one day bow down to me, and I'm going to be the leader of all of my family. And, and, and God had given Joseph visions of being this great leader. And how many think after Joseph got that vision, the first thing that happened in his life, he was exalted to the throne, right? No. got to follow me. First thing that happened in Joseph's life was his brothers were so, so jealous of the dream that God had gave him, and the call on his life that his brothers threw him in a pit. His brothers were going to kill him, but one of the brothers suggested let's make some money off of him, sold him into slavery into Egypt. He ends up working for Potiphar, very faithful to God, very loyal to God, very good worker in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife tries to sexually assault him. He runs out of the house. She accuses him of rape. He gets put in prison for doing the right thing every time. And how many think when Joseph was in prison, a rat-infested, moldy prison, how many think that he said to himself, all things are against me? But God still had a plan in all their lives. In fact, if you ever want to see a pattern, the pattern is, it looks like the whole world is against you when God is about to do something in your life. And so we need to know that. And so how do we deal with the whole world is probably against you? You know why? Because the whole world hates the blessing of Christ that's on your life. And so the way God has designed to deal with it is to give you a place to rest. And what would happen to me in that place, you say, well, what is it? The place is where I'm in the presence of the Lord, And God just begins to change my mind. Like where I'm, for instance, the children of Israel. God wanted him to enter into his rest, and the rest was, I took you out of Egypt because I want to give you a place where you can live and you can be blessed and you can rest. That was the rest that Joshua was talking about. They refused to enter. Why? Why? Because they had doubts, they had fears, they had worries. And so because of the doubts and the fears and the worries, they could never enter in. God said they would never enter in and it made God upset. And you say, well, why was God upset? Because the things they were thinking about were logical. There were mighty, massive warriors that were in the land. You know, there was a chance of dying. God had said, no, 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 I'm going to personally remove them, but you're going to have to walk in faith and and, and you're going to have to stand there and I'll do the work. But they couldn't. They couldn't do it because they didn't have the faith to do it. And the way that God offered them to have the faith to do it is enter into my rest. And when you enter into God's rest, what what would happen to me every day for a couple of hours in the presence of the Lord was I would just change. I would just change. I would lay down me. I mean, no, you have fears. You have doubts. You have concerns. You have all these things, and all day they assault you. But in the presence of the Lord, if you'll learn to enter His rest every day, you can lay yourself down. And when you walk out, there is no fear. God begins to tell you there's nothing to be afraid of. Just stand there. I'll fight the fight. You're going to win. Just stand in faith. The doubts go away. The fears go away. All the. uh, In fact, uh, we're assaulted by a hundred fears every day that probably will never even happen. And we're assaulted by it. And if we don't have a rest, if we don't have a place where God can speak to the fears, where God can speak to the worries, we'll begin to be deprived of that rest. And we'll begin to crack, and we'll begin to break apart. And um, and God was just using. And like I said, I I really this is a message God told me on the way over here. Okay, that if we're not careful, we're going to subject ourselves to the torture of our captor. He's going to deprive us of that rest. He's going to deprive us of that supernatural strengthening of our character. We're going to begin to fall apart. We're going to begin to lose faith. We're going to be, remember all the health effects that it affects the physical body? Loss of memory, uh, greater chance of death, sickness and disease. How many think if you go day after day with worries and fears and all these things, it's just going to tear us apart spiritually? And so God's calling us to a place of rest. And like I said, I love teaching the Word, and I want people to know the Word because that's half of knowing God is knowing His Word. It'll keep you from error. But the other half is we've got to get in His presence every day and learn to just love it. Because right now, a lot of your prayer lives are just a list. Just a list. You know, I pray for so-and-so, I pray for so-and-so, I pray for so-and-so, and there's good things in that. God asks us to call out those names and pray for people and pray for one another. But there's another element of uh, being in the presence of God where you just rest, you cease from your work. Like you just enter His rest every day, let Him begin to... How many have ever sat under worship music and just didn't do anything, didn't ask God for anything, didn't look for anything, just said, God, restore me? And just sit there and love him and worship him and praise him. And, and I didn't even know what was happening to me. I just know my fondness for that room every time I walked by it. I think I even said to myself a few times, man, I miss the time in that room, you know. And just a change of schedule, just a slight change of schedule. Changed my routine. And, and, and the Lord was drawing me back. He was drawing me back. And the only way sometimes God can speak to me is to crush me and say, okay, now on the way to church, I'll tell you what I want to tell you. that's it. I'm too hard-headed to do it any different sometimes, to, to be sensitive enough to recognize, but God was calling me back to His presence, and God, I believe through this message, is calling you all back to His presence. Because if not, you'll do something like I did. Things will break really quickly, and you'll fall apart. And you'll think to yourself, man, that hasn't happened in a long time. And then you'll look back and you'll begin to remember, hey, wait a minute. I've been in God's presence for a long time. And now I'm suddenly came out. And here's the problem. When you're not resting in God, who are you resting in? Me. Me. In fact, uh, when God finally gave me the message this morning, you know what my last famous last words were? Why did you put me in this position? I can't do this. Why'd you do this to me? I can't do this. You can't, you're not giving me a message. I'm doing everything you've asked. Basically, I'm guiltless. I've done everything. And I was blaming God. And God was saying, You're right. Your message, your your message is this, and on the way to church, I'm going to explain it to you. You have little faith. You guys understand this message? These aren't three-point messages. These are the Holy Spirit speaking to you today. Tonight, we're going to have a time just to sit in His presence. And you need to learn. In fact, let me give you a term that you need to learn in prayer life. Raptured. You say, well, isn't that someday? Isn't that that glorious day? It is. It's a glorious day when we're raptured and the twinkling of an eye in His presence. But there's something that happens in your prayer life where you're raptured. Sometimes it can happen during the worship service, where you're so into the presence of the Lord, you forget there are people there. You've been raptured. How many you have ever been there? Like, man, you know what, I'm kind of embarrassed. I was pointing this direction, now I'm pointing this direction. And I forgot there were a hundred people here. Because you got raptured. Um, there's a time in the prayer room, and you say, man, this is weird. Did you disappear? We're not disappearing, okay? We're in the presence of God. He's restoring us. He's taking away fears and worries and all those things. And, and we're, we're leaving and saying, you know what? We can take the giants. These giants aren't that big. You know, this problem's not that big. I'm f- perfectly fine. I've got perfect Peace. You know, but everything around just falling apart. Yeah, but I have perfect peace. Isn't that what the Bible said we'd have? But you get in that prayer room and you spend, in fact, some some days, and Eddie will attest to this, we've talked about it quite a bit, there are some days in five minutes I'm raptured. I forget I'm in that prayer room. In fact, I'll wake up wondering where I'm at some days and it's five minutes. That you know, you know as well as I do. There's some days it's 30 minutes and everything from the world drifts away, and then all of a sudden I'm just raptured. And when you're raptured in His presence, and I'm not being weird here, I'm not saying physically you disappear or anything like that. Don't get me wrong, you guys can make me look pretty bad if you go and tell people that. But I'm just saying something happens in your heart where you're in the presence of God, and no longer am I doing a prayer list. You know, no longer am I saying, God do this, God do that, God do this. I'm hearing things that are more like, I love you. You don't have anything to worry about. Uh, it's going to be all right. You know, there's no problems here. Uh, you know, have peace. In fact, he was telling the children of Israel if they would have entered in, he just kept saying over and over, fear not, I'm with you. And you know, if they would have just heard that one little thing, Fear not, these giants, because I'm with you. They would have been able to enter in and not been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And so there is this, I'm going to use the word quest, just because I found that there's a certain um, part of our population in the church that likes that word, right? Quest. My quest every day is to find a way to be raptured into His presence. Like, Lord, just take me out of whatever situation I'm in. And my quest is every day. How many like a good quest on a video game? It's awesome, right? This is a. Qu- I'm speaking to a different culture here. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain keywords that I've found that actually. Yeah, it's hard for me, too, to speak the language. But our quest should be every day to say, God, Take me to the place where I can rest. Because here's the thing, if you're not getting rest every day, spiritually, what's going to happen to you? I mean, what's going to happen? All these serious consequences of physical rest, I, th- I think it's usually worse spiritually. And so if you're not finding, and you say, well, well that would mean that God expects all Christians to worship. Why do you think the commandments that we most often neglect are love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul? I mean, that could have just as easily been study the Word dutifully every day and read your prayer list. You're saying, oh, that's not what it was? Some of you looked at me like, isn't that what it is? No, one of the great commandment is... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. He wants you to enter into His presence. He wants you to come in every day and say, you know what, God, I can't do this. I mean, oh, that's a great last words. I can't do this, Lord. What you're asking me to do, I can't do. And the Lord told me very clearly, you're right. Now, here's what you're going to preach on. Get in the car and I'll talk to you on the way to church. You ever had that long ride from church where you knew you were getting ready to be disciplined? Like, you know, like your behavior was ridiculous and you have no faith and you cracked apart for a reason and you need to know why. And so church, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer and we're going to worship. I think I'm probably early. Oh, I'm so early. Yeah. What's that? Oh, awesome.
1: That's what you call a lateral. So I was in worship this morning while Pastor Chad wasn't here yet, and I knew I was to share this. But I didn't understand why, so I just kind of rolled it off. But it, uh, Thank you, Richard. Uh, so I'm going to read Psalm 42. This is actually a word Pastor Chad asked me to preach sometime. and uh, So Psalm 42, if you could turn there, because I want you to read this, and I want you to remember this, because... It's uh, something that was shown to me a little while back, and I think we miss it. Psalm 42. And I'm going to read this. I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to read a little bit, but it's, uh, boy, it's perfectly Pastor Chad's day. And so Psalm 42 says, A deer pants for the flowing streams. So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I like that. Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Now, this is a a, a scripture I've heard for years, and I never understood it. Ryan knows where I'm going with. It. I talked to him another week about it, but it. uh We don't understand it all the time because we don't pay attention to wildlife necessarily, but David did. David was in the wilderness at all the time before he became king, so he knew what he was talking about here. Um, I remember the very first deer, and I don't know how many of you guys are hunters, I'm not going to get real in depth because it can be a little graphic, but the very first deer I ever took in my whole life, I was young, I was excited, and I'm aiming at this deer, and, uh, and I shoot. Perfect shot right here in the rib. Thing is, is whenever you're hunting, if you're if you're a hunter, there's this time period where you get so energetic you don't realize anything's in front of you. There was a bush between me and the deer. I never even noticed it, so it took to project, uh, the trajectory of the bullet and kind of sw- uh, moved it some. So it hit where it should have, but it was off angle. So this deer goes down, and it just starts making the worst cry out. It's like, Bleh! and it does that, right? And it's, a, it's the worst sound you'll ever hear. Uh, There you go, that was good. Who did that? That sounded just like a deer right there, panting. uh, That's what it sounds like when a deer pants. It's not like we think of panting like a dog wanting water. That's not how a deer pants. So whenever a deer is being chased uh, by, in David's time, it would have been lions, bears, uh, wolves, things like that. It could be a coyote whenever it's under attack when it's under uh, distress it will pant and it will pant for streams of water it could be thirsty it could have just gotten out of attack but whenever anybody ever been in the woods and they seen like uh or even on videos you watch a deer whenever they used to have that one where the alligators attacking the deer and all that where do they go they go towards the water a deer every time it's under attack will go towards the water anytime it's dying of thirst it goes towards the water Whenever anything's going on in Deer's life, it starts crying out because it's crying out for help from those around it, right? Now, we know animals have not only a great sense of sound or hearing usually, but they also have a great sense of smell. They also start having this like, um, I don't know if it's a fair amount, I don't know what the, the word would be, but there's a scent that comes about them also. And immediately they become Prey. Immediately, like, everything around knows, like, oh, there's a deer in distress, right? That's where Pastor Chad was. He was this deer in distress. Satan knew, hey, man, he ain't been in that room. He knew, hey, man, this guy, we got attacked. We got him where we want him, right? And that's what David's talking about with this deer. This deer is in this place to where, hey, you're not where you're supposed to be. So a deer, whenever it runs to the water, when it's trying to get to the water, it will be screaming out the whole way there, knowing I've got to get there, I have to get there, I have to get there. And whenever that deer gets in the water, it doesn't stop and take a drink, no matter how thirsty it is. It doesn't stop and drink when it's panting for water. Because there's no safety in that. Like Pastor Chad said, we have a list of prayer. If he would have just hit his knees and prayed like he was at home praying, he didn't get comfort in, in just praying. That's that's just taking a drink of the Lord. What a deer does is it jumps into the water. Even you've seen it. They jump right in the water. And they jump in the water for a couple reasons. One is it gets that scent off of them. Secondly, there's protection in the water. So immediately they jump into the water and they're completely refreshed. And they start drinking while they're in the water. But they won't just stand outside and drink whenever they're panting for water. And that's what David's talking about. David's talking about, oh, Lord. And to know where David was at, David's son Absalom's trying to kill him right now while he's writing this. His son's trying to kill him. He's on the run. Now, we're thinking like, well, you know, that's not, you know, that wasn't David's fault. It actually was David's fault because his other son molested his sister David turned his eye eyes against He didn't do anything about that. Absalom's getting mad. He could have seen his son getting mad. He could have addressed that. And the whole time he's turning a blind eye to everything going on. So now his son's going to try to kill him. He flees. They're about to bring uh, the ark with him. They're going to bring the presence of God with him. And he says, no, leave it right where it is. Leave the tabernacle there. Leave everything there. We'll come back to it later. Now, the place where he worships God... Where he jumps into the Lord's presence, he's left behind. He's left it behind. Just like we do, often, the place where we most share time with God, we leave it behind. That's what David did. He went on a run, and he said, no, I don't need that. I'll come back for it later. And how many times are you like, I'll make time for God later. Right now, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this. And life gets so busy, we leave the presence of God behind us, and we'll come back to it later. That's where David's at. He knows he needs that. And as he's sitting there crying out to the Lord, he goes, why is my soul so, so downcast? It's because he's not in the presence of God. He needs it. He knows like a deer, he needs to just jump fully submerged into Christ, into God. He knows he's there. And he's crying for it. And we do it on a daily basis all the time. We're like, what is going on around us? Why is my world so messed up? Why, why, why? Oh, Lord, help me, help me. And then we continue doing what we're doing. We don't jump and run back to the Lord. We don't cry out and say, oh, I pant for you. I want to dive right into your presence. We don't do that. We're usually like, we're trying to figure it out and we're broken and we're like, I don't know what to do. I'm depressed. But it's panting like that deer that we need to be doing. We need to run to the Lord and jump fully into the Lord. Jump into Him. Not like, I want to, Tiptoe in, I'm afraid what people are going to see. No, you don't have time to just wait. If you wait, that's when the wolves come. That's when the lions come. They come for the weak ones. When you're weak, you jump all in. You Jump all in. You cry out to your friends. That's what a deer does. I cry out for help. You cry out to the Lord and you cry out to people around you. You get your help, but you jump all in. Right? So we need to do that today. Bring Pastor Chad back up here.
0: Praise the Lord. I appreciate that. That, um, but Do you see that? Do you feel like that sometimes? That you're putting off this older that <laughs> the enemy knows you're wounded? You ever felt like that, a wounded deer? And you're like, hey, look, you know what? The enemy's really beating me up here and I feel like I'm susceptible to attack and I just don't know what to do. I feel embattled. How many of you have ever felt embattled? And like I said, this series of things that I'm talking about were much more minor than things that in the past I just kind of, you know, were easy. And it is fully because of the presence of the Lord. You know, do you see that washing, that refreshing and... The Bible talks about that refreshing and God just cleans you up, restores you, and then you're ready for the battle again. You're not wounded anymore. God's brought healing. And so, uh, so what we're going to do, worship team, if you'll come up here. Um, I didn't know that we were doing a tag team message this morning. I'm glad God uh, did it that way. It was the right thing. Hallelujah. So uh, sometimes at church we don't, we don't uh, relax and get in the water. And so this morning, that's all we're going to do the rest of the time. If you need prayer from somebody, that's why we're here. You know, you need uh, somebody to lay hands on you. Or you just One of the best things you can do is find a place on the floor, whatever's comfortable, sitting in a chair, kneeling at your chair, whatever's comfortable for you, and just rest. Just say, Lord, that whole rapture thing he was talking about, where I'm raptured into your presence, that's what I want. And you say, man, I'm going to try that this morning. And if not this morning, tonight we're going to be here for several hours doing that. Just relaxing and resting in God's presence. How many think that's an incredibly important thing to do? Hallelujah. So let's do it.